part of the account of the first Christmas time. It's uh, the appearance of the angels to the shepherds, uh, just to let you know what's happened before. Mary and Joseph have traveled a huge distance to arrive in the small town of Bethlehem because Caesar has called all people to travel to this, their hometowns to be registered. Mary has had the baby. And this is just a short time after that. Verse 8 of Luke chapter 2 reads, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. It's a quite an extraordinary um, event that we've just read about, isn't it? I wonder if we could just for, just for a moment uh, imagine what it must have been like and what the Bible claims to have happened on that night. Uh, Jesus was born in the town and yet outside of the town something remarkable was going on. Ordinary working men, shepherds out working in the, in the fields late on at night watching their sheep suddenly have the silence of the night broken. A silent night is transformed in a moment. Silence is broken. And I would suggest uh, that for those shepherds, ordinary guys, just getting on with life, their lives were transformed in that moment in time. It was remarkable what happened for them on that night. Just breathtaking. Suddenly, they realize something which I think many of us know deep down but it doesn't break out onto the surface. They suddenly realize in a penetrating, clear, powerful way that this life is not all there is. That's, that's what goes on for them, isn't it? 
They're out, out there, middle of the night, and I guess that by this time of night they've probably rounded the sheep up. They're probably sat around a fire, just talking, going through the day's events, talking about the events that are going on in the, in the city, near to, on the, in the town near to them. And then suddenly it's as though a window opens in the sky which reveals to them a strata of existence which they have never seen before. Eternity, heaven, breaks in for them for that few minutes. That You cannot go through something like that without it being life-changing. But for them, silence was broken. Just want to think about that just for a few minutes. Silence is, is a strange thing, isn't it? Uh, silence can be a beautiful thing. Uh, we can value silence. Uh, there was an advert a few years ago where a mum had a, a remote control. She was sat on the sofa with a remote control that didn't uh, control the TV. It controlled the kids. <laughs> and uh, suddenly, in a moment, she pressed pause and amidst the chaos of life, all of the kids kind of freeze and there's silence in the room. And uh, I can imagine that over these next few days, a few of you are going to be thinking, I want one of those. I, I want that remote control. Just give me, uh, Santa give me that remote control that can silence this chaos that is going on around me. So in one sense... Silence can be a hugely valued thing, can't it? At the same time, not at the same moment, because we value silence at that point. But, you know, thinking about silence, it can also be a curse, can't it? Solitary confinement, cut off from everybody and everything, is a tortuous punishment, Silence is a strange thing, isn't it? Silence can be wonderful and awful. It can be precious and terrible. One of the things that this little story that we have here, this little window that we have into the first Christmas, one of the things that it gives us is it taps us into the storyline of the Bible and shows us that God, in his goodness and in his mercy, is breaking into the silence. You might say, well, how does that work? Imagine the person, just put into your mind just for a moment, imagine the person who is the most precious person in the whole world to you. person that you love the most. Now imagine... If, like that, they were just silent from you, distant from you, as though solitary confinement has invaded that relationship. You know, one of the things that the Bible explains to us is, yes, relationships in this world, relationships with each other, they're a wonderful, precious thing. They are a special thing, but if you like, they're a reflection of what we ought to be, which is in relationship with the God who made us. 
And the storyline of the Bible says that, you know, right at the beginning, God has made us to be in relationship with him. But there's a crisis, there's a tragedy that takes place. Because silence becomes the gulf that is separating us from God who made us. God becomes silent from us. We might not realize it. We might not understand it. We might not even value it. But the Bible says that the most precious, the most privileged relationship that we can possibly have is with the God who made us. And yet there's silence existing. That's, if you like, us taking the opportunity to be able to sit above, take a helicopter ride over the storyline of the Bible and say, right at the very beginning, silence becomes the curse, the tragedy between us and God who made us. And even more than that, we can't do anything about it. We can't reverse that. It's only God who can reverse it. It's only God who can turn around that silence. And the great thing that we see here, and it's been building up right the way through the storyline of the Bible. In fact, if you want to come to Christianity Explored, we've got the opportunity to see how that works. That what God is doing is gradually, bit by bit, increasingly, increasingly, he's breaking into this silence. And then, wow, just in one night, God breaks in in the most remarkable way. And he announces his voice into this world. He announces it to a group of ordinary men working out in the fields. Silence is broken as God announces his voice in the world. God being willing to reverse the solitary confinement for humanity of silence from God for him to come and to speak to us. That is the big picture storyline that Jesus presents to us. God speaking to us through his son. That is great news. It's great news that the one who we find loves us more than anybody else in this world could ever love us is willing to speak to us even though we have abused and rebelled against him. That is great news. But let's have a look just for a moment at at what actually is said. Because it's not just that God speaks. God makes this announcement. It's as though the, the, the town criers of heaven are used to announce. You remember that. You can imagine that picture of years gone by before email and, and blogs and, and, and text and Facebook and all of that. How did, how did news pass around? The guy would stand in the middle of the village or the hamlet or the town and would shout out and proclaim a message to everybody. And the message would be heard. It's as though the heavens town criers shout out on that night to say to these shepherds something remarkable has happened. Down in that little town, something 
of great importance and significance. He opens it by saying words which I think the shepherds needed. Fear not. Don't be scared. Don't know about you. But if I'm sat in a mountainside in the middle of the night and, and all of a sudden the, the heavens erupt open and there's shining light and a loud voice, I would be quaking. No, that, I'm not scared of the dark. But that would just be so out of the ordinary. That would be just so mind-blowing that the shepherds needed to hear these words. Fear not. Because what I am bringing you is good news. It's interesting, isn't it? An announcement of that kind of power. You know, an announcement where the heavens just kind of break open and we see the reality of an existence outside of this world is filled with so much power that it could quite easily be the prelude to devastating news. That kind of power breaking out. It could be, sky opens, you are about to be destroyed because that kind of power is breaking into this world. But no, the angels say, fear not, because what I am bringing is good news. It's good news that you are about to hear. And the good news is not just for you. Look at what the angel says. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Sometimes the Bible says things that we only realize their significance as time goes on. Sometimes things are said which are relevant for that moment in time, yet it was great news for everybody who lived then. But what the angel says in these words, and this is where I find the Bible so remarkable, is it has a timeless quality to the words that are said. It's good news for all people. Which people? Every person who has ever lived. Every person into the future. This can be good news for all people. This can be good news for all people. That means that the declaration that those angels made on that night, because it's good news for all people, means that for us today, who are 2,000 years distant from this event, can enter into the message. And we can say that is good news. What the angels declared is good news. What did they say? Because to you is born... This day, in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, just down the hill, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now those words tie us into, again, the whole of the storyline of the Bible. Because what the Bible says is you don't just need, I don't just need God to speak. I don't just need that. I need way more than God just to speak. I need a savior. I need somebody to save me. Now, I don't know about you, but 
I think it's a remarkable message to give to a bunch of guys out on a hillside, isn't it? You know, if God was going to break into this world and, and really make sure that everybody heard that, that message, would you do it a different way? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you break into, uh, well, why not Caesar? Why not rip the roof off Caesar's palace and shout into his bedroom? Why not do it that way? Why not pull the Colosseum apart and just plant a bunch of angels into the middle of the Colosseum and declare it to the whole of Rome? Why not do it there? I think it's because God always wants us to accept that He might come in extraordinary, simple, humble, quiet ways and break into our silence in ways that we don't expect. Ways that humble us. Ways that make us see that the the big powerful things of this world are not that important to him. You know, Caesar? Caesar's past. Caesar's gone. He's forgotten. Jesus is still remembered. Caesar Augustus was worshipped as a deity. Not anymore, yet Jesus is still worshipped as a deity. Because what God is wanting us to see is, I am always going to turn things upside down in the way that I speak to you. I'm going to break into your silence in extraordinary, surprising ways. He challenges us today by saying, I'm going to speak to you through a bunch of grubby shepherds out on the hillside. And we tend not to like to be spoken to in that way, don't we? You know, one of the things that I hear many times in conversation is people would say, if God is real, why doesn't he speak? Why doesn't he make himself known? The Christmas message is that he does. It's just that he does it in ways that kind of go against our way of thinking. He does it in ways that we don't particularly like at times. It's not big and powerful and glitzy and glamorous and and kind of celebrity enough for us. He uses ordinary men out in the field looking after sheep. But it's a saviour who's come into this world. Christ the Lord. We haven't got time tonight to see the significance of those words, but those words take you right the way back to the whole of the Old Testament. He's the one who's been promised. You see, this wasn't a surprise event. This is something that had been planned for for thousands of years before and was prepared for for the 2,000 years that we see afterwards. For the whole of time, this moment was prepared for, explained, communicated, and then... It happens. Silence broken. Saviour is born. But one of the things that we see, and maybe this is where it really hits home for us, is that these shepherds, they go down into the, into the town. And they find it exactly as had been expressed to them on the hillside. I think that they were probably more surprised at that. 
I, I reckon that they would go, have gone away and that would have been their lives changed from there on. We hear these, this voice. We get spoken to out of that drama of the skies. We go down and it's exactly as we were told. And they go away rejoicing. They praise and they worship a little baby. Isn't that a remarkable thing? We've got a little tiny baby with us this afternoon. It is such a privilege to have Aunt and Claire with us and their little one. We give thanks for that little one safely born. And it is great to have a little baby with us, isn't it? So tiny, so gentle, so fragile, so weak. But do you know what? I don't think any of us would go away and go up and, and worship that baby, would we? And yet that's exactly what these shepherds did. Why? <laughs> Why would they do that? Because they see the significance of God speaking. You know, that's what happens when God breaks into our silence. And one of the privileges that I've had down through the years with many people is to be able to talk about the message of the Bible and see God breaking into their silence, the silence of their lives, the silence of their existence, the fact that, oh yes, it's filled with noise, filled with events, filled with things, but it's silent towards God. God is silent to them, they are silent to God, and yet... It starts, you can see it happening, it's amazing to see. You see the, the, just the kind of the angels beginning to speak, not that they see angels, but you see the beginnings of God breaking into lives. And then you see that coming to a, a point where it becomes so real where people say, do you know what, it's true. I understand it now. I can see that this is true, that Jesus really is who he claimed to be. That means I have got no choice but to bow down and to worship him. That is what I've got to do. He becomes my Lord and my King because he is who he claimed to be. God breaking into the silence of lives day to day. It's a remarkable thing to see. It's amazing. And people who I had the opportunity to speak to are able to say I know what it is really really deep down for God to speak not like they're hearing fancy voices and all the rest of it they just know that God is speaking to you. I want to encourage you at this Christmas time maybe maybe you're on the hillside and maybe you know that there's something going on in 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 your understanding of the Bible and God speaking in ways that you're beginning to think there's something happening that is, that I can't quite understand this. Don't stay on the hillside. <laughs> if, the, if the shepherds had stayed on the hillside, they'd have missed out on the real event. Don't stay on the hillside. Take the journey. Carry on looking. Go and seek and find Jesus, the Savior the Son of the Living God. I invite you to uh, come along to Christianity Explored. Come along. If you don't go to any other church on a Sunday, please join us on a Sunday afternoon. We meet here half past four every Sunday afternoon. This Sunday, for, for, for those of us who are Boxing Day, a little bit different. It's just bring a bit of 
bring a bit of something to eat. We're just going to eat together and, and uh, have a drink together, and then we're going to just uh, have a really relaxed time, half past four on Sunday. But thereafter, it's just going to be here on a Sunday afternoon. Come along. You've probably met friends already, or you've been brought along with friends. Keep coming along. It'd be great uh, to see you. I want to uh, wish you the very happiest of Christmases on behalf of everybody here at Christ Church. It has been a joy uh, and a pleasure uh, to spend this afternoon and the past uh, days and weeks with you if you've been able to come to some of the other events that we've had. It is a privilege for us to be able to share this afternoon with you. We're going to sing one more carol and then we're going to close.